Well, good morning. We uh, have an interesting subject to talk about this morning. You know, I, I think uh, when you think about our culture and the times that we live in, uh, it seems to me that it's increasingly characterized by something called anger. You know, from road rage to political discord to uh, families that are in conflict, uh, you know, you hear about contentious school board meetings. Uh, you hear about people uh, insulting, well, maybe you've witnessed this, people insulting and attacking each other on social media. That's become a very prominent thing. You know, it just seems like in the times that we live, anger is surfacing everywhere. And yet on the other hand, as we go to the Scripture, we don't have to read very far, just as far as Genesis chapter 4, uh, to discover an example of anger as Cain, uh, in his uncontrolled anger, uh, lashed out at his brother Abel and murdered him. And so what that tells us is that anger has been a problem uh, from the earliest stages of human history. But how about on a personal level? Have you ever experienced anger in your own heart that led you to uh, say something that you later regretted or to do something uh, that, was, that was sinful, that was dishonoring to God, was uh, perhaps hurtful to other people? I think it's safe to say that we've all been there. <clears throat> and it's also true that each one of us has been on the receiving end of the anger of others. Perhaps you've had somebody kind of flash out at you or uh, be short with you uh, in a situation that, that you were involved in. And uh, so I think it's really clear that for all of us, uh, we live in a world where we need to deal with our own anger and we also need to deal with uh, the anger of others directed at us. It's just part of living in a fallen world. Well, as believers, how are we to deal with this issue from a scriptural standpoint? Now, it's safe to say that it's a huge subject and the scriptures have a lot to say and this is not going to be an exhaustive study of the issue of anger. Uh, instead, what we want to do this morning is we want to look to the book of Proverbs. We want to draw from our study of the book of Proverbs things that will help us understand the issue of anger, both in our own lives and in uh, responding to the anger of others. So this morning, as something of a change of pace, we're going to step away from the chapter-by-chapter -chapter march that we've been doing through Proverbs. You know, we've been going through the first nine chapters, and it's those chapters in which uh, Solomon kind of lays the groundwork. Here he's, he's addressing his son or sons and uh, teaching them the value of wisdom, teaching them kind of the basics to, to understand wisdom so that then when you get to the individual Proverbs that are in chapter 10 all the way to the end of the book, uh, his sons would be able to understand them, but we would be able to understand them. So this morning we're going to step away from that march and instead we're going to do a topical study on this subject of uh, anger. So let me warn you, you want to be prepared to do some page flipping because we're going to be looking at a number of different Proverbs this morning. But before we get into specific verses, let me just take a moment to define what we're talking about when we consider this thing called anger. Webster's defines anger as a strong feeling of displeasure usually expressed as opposition or hostility. So when we're talking about anger, we're talking about an intense emotional response that will typically lead a person to stand in opposition to something or in hostility. Uh, it can have one or both of those reactions. So here's a question. Is, is anger always negative? Is it always a negative emotion? No. Yeah. Certainly the short answer to that is no. Scripture makes many references to the just wrath of God, both in terms of his current judgment on sin that's taking place and in terms of the future judgment that is, is coming. And there's many accounts in the Old Testament that describe the burning anger of the Lord against sin and against rebellion. Whether described as God's wrath or his anger, either one of those terms, you know, by definition, it's talking about righteous anger. When you think about Jesus, you know, in the course of his ministry, Jesus himself demonstrated righteous anger on multiple occasions. There's a really good example of this in the Gospel of Mark in, in chapter 3. Uh, there, there's an, an account that describes Jesus entering a synagogue on the Sabbath day, 
And in that synagogue, there happens to be a man with a withered hand. And there are Pharisees there also. And the reason the Pharisees are there is they are watching Jesus. And specifically, they want to see whether Jesus is going to heal this man on the Sabbath. And here's how Mark uh, records this account. He writes, um, if I find my place here, is it lawful, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But the Pharisees kept silent. After looking around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. So certainly Jesus' reaction to the Pharisees' cold and callous hearts was one of righteous displeasure. His anger was kindled by their sinful, hard hearts. Well, at times, we too might experience righteous anger, a strong feeling of indignation towards something that dishonors God or seeks to do harm to people, people that God has made uh, in his own image. An example of such indignation is when we witness the cruel wickedness of, of sinful men who are seeking to do damage uh, to other people, to destroy people for the sake of their own selfish gain. Think about Ukraine. What's going on in Ukraine right now? It's, it's hard to watch news reports and to see what's going on there without having a sense of, this, this is truly awful, and uh, uh, how long, oh Lord, we might ask. Uh, that's... Uh, that sort of reaction is an example of righteous anger. So righteous anger is always concerned with God's standards and his justice and his glory. It's seeing things the way God sees them. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, the apostle Paul commands us to be angry and do not sin. It's a call to righteous anger. In a note on this particular verse, John MacArthur describes righteous anger this way. He writes, this type of anger hates injustice, immorality, ungodliness, and every other sin. When such anger is unselfish, key word, and based on love for God and others, it is not only permissible, it is commanded. But, unfortunately, a much more common uh, experience in our own day-to-day -day living uh, is what we could def define as sinful anger rather than righteous anger. You'll notice that Paul adds the phrase on the end of that verse, and do not sin. Commentator James Montgomery Boyce describes sinful anger as being anger at the wrong time and for the wrong reasons because of our own personal feelings, our pride, self-image. All these are wrapped up in our reactions. So we could think of sinful anger then as a strong feeling of indignation usually expressed as opposition or hostility when someone or something is standing in the way of what we want. That's what we're talking about with sinful anger. So righteous anger stems from a love of God and a love for people. It's a love for everything that matters to God. But sinful anger is just the opposite because it is entirely self-focused. You know, whereas righteous anger is all about God, sinful anger is all about me. It's all about you. Uh, it's it's self-focused. It's inward-focused. And as we open the book of Proverbs and search for references to anger and to issues that are related to it, it quickly becomes apparent that when the Proverbs are talking about anger, they're talking about sinful anger. And it has this book has much to say on that subject. So here we find God's wisdom to help us in a very practical way to understand anger, the dangers it brings, and then how God would have us deal with it. And so the theme for our study this morning is this. Sinful anger is a destructive force, but God's wisdom teaches us how to diffuse sinful anger in ourselves and how to respond to the anger of others. So, with that theme in mind, uh, let's consider, first of all, the nature of sinful anger. To experience righteous anger is to view circumstances from God's perspective, and so we could say that its source is from God. But how about sinful anger? Where does sinful anger originate? Where does it come from? Well, the scriptures are clear. 
the root of it is pride and self-love. You know, when you think about a, pride, a proud person, you're really thinking about somebody who uh, has this attitude of knowing better than everyone else uh, what is best. And therefore, their thoughts, their motives, their desires need to take precedence over everybody else's. And so what happens when at any given moment pride is reigning in a person's life and then something comes along to kind of stand in that person's way? That's when, that's when the anger uh, flares up. Take a look at uh, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. Look at verse 22. Proverbs 29, 22 reads like this. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. And then verse 23 goes on to say, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Now, I don't think it's any coincidence that these two verses appear together. One of the symptoms of pride is sinful anger. When we snap at someone, chances are that at that moment we are being self-focused, concerned with what we want and feeling hostile toward uh, whoever or whatever is standing in our way. When our pride has the upper hand, that's when we are likely to get angry and ultimately to suffer for it and be brought low, as verse 23 says. But on the other hand, if we're operating in humility, we'll take it in stride. That's when we're able to, to overlook a harsh comment or an insult or whatever it might be. Now, I don't want to spend any more time on this issue of pride since pride and humility is a topic that's coming up two weeks from today. Right, Bo? <laughs> and we're going to have a whole session just on the, on the issue of pride and humility because it's a huge topic. Uh, but rest assured that it is the root of sinful anger. Well, the Proverbs also make it very clear that sinful anger is characteristic of a fool. In the same chapter, chapter 29, look at verse 11. A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. So, what's one way that a fool can be identified? It's a person who's perpetually losing his temper. Now, again, we've, we've talked about this before, but when you hear the word fool in the book of Proverbs, actually anywhere in the, in the Old Testament, when you hear that word fool, you know, our English understanding in, in American lingo, when we hear fool, we tend to think of somebody uh, who's either silly or not very bright or both. Uh, but that's not the idea of the word here. Remember, uh, the fool is the one who says in his heart, there is no God. So when the scriptures are talking about a fool, they're talking about someone who lives as though God doesn't exist. And so this is a person who has no concern whatsoever for God's commands, uh, for what God would have them do, and instead they are pursuing their own agenda. They are uh, totally self-focused. That's the fool. And then it stands to reason then that the fool will typically get angry when someone or something stands in the way of what he wants because life is all about him. But notice in the second half of the verse, it indicates that the wise man is angry also, but he chooses to keep his emotions under control to hold his anger back. So you can see the, the contrast between the two. Now turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Verse, uh, chapter 12 and verse 16. Here again we see this characteristic. A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. So notice the contrast here. A prudent man, a wise man, is able to handle dishonor. It's a negative comment. Perhaps it's an insult directed uh, toward him. Uh, but how will the fool respond? What's he going to do? He's going to explode. He's going to get angry at, at once. The fool gets angry at once. He exalts folly. He kind of, he's, he's lifting up his folly for, for all to see. It becomes obvious uh, that that's where he is in his thinking. So this is the person that we might describe as having a short fuse. Now there's a verse penned by Solomon uh, which offers a very clear summary of this characteristic of the fool. 
but it happens to be a proverb that's contained in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 7.9, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read you the verse. Ecclesiastes 7.9, Solomon writes this. He says, do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Again, this is, it's a heart characteristic of someone who doesn't know the Lord. Sinful anger resides at the very core of a fool's character, and so Solomon counsels us not to be eager to go down that path. Now, perhaps you have run across people who have, have uh, uh, boasted about their feistiness. You know, sometimes you may hear people say, uh, well, I just like to speak what's on my mind. That's just the way I am. Um, I've had co-workers in, in years past who, who kind of had that uh, uh, eagerness to come across like that, to, to always be, be ready to express their opinion, ready for, for a fight. But, and the idea was that they were coming across as a, as a tough person. Uh, but Solomon reminds us that that isn't the mark of toughness, it's the mark of a fool. And so, surprise, not surprisingly, another characteristic of sinful anger is that it leads to foolish actions and much conflict. Turn over to chapter 14, verse 17. Verse 17 reads, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. The point here is that sinful anger leads to foolish behavior, things like making rash decisions, making threats. I can remember very clearly when we were raising our kids and they would do something that would anger me. I would sometimes say, well, here's what's going to happen, and it would be, something that was kind of over the top and not fitting for, for what they had done. Um, boy, controlling our, our mouth when we're angry is a, is a big deal. So making rash decisions, making threats, throwing things. Um, I once worked for a manager who, in the course of a meeting, got very upset, and he threw a donut box across the room to, to make his point. Um, that's what sinful anger leads us to do, breaking things. Do you ever try building something and it's, it's just not working out? So eh, you just destroy it. Uh, that's what sinful anger does. How about saying hurtful things that can never be taken back? That's perhaps the most common issue. You know, I think all of us have been guilty of such behavior at one time or another and in one degree or another. But sinful anger is destructive and if it's left unchecked, it prompts foolish behavior. Perhaps you saw in the news just a few days ago, there was a report about uh, a lady who went to a Popeye's restaurant in Georgia. And when she received her order, she looked in the bag and there weren't any biscuits. And so she demanded to see the manager. Well, they, they gave her the biscuits and apologized for being wrong. And she said, I'm going to drive my car into this restaurant. And you know what she did? She drove her car into the front door. Yeah, and she nearly hit a bystander who was there. Now, you know, granted, that's, that's an extreme uh, e example, but uh, this is what sinful anger can do. It leads to foolish behaviors. It leads to things that uh, are regrettable. Uh, turn over to chapter 15, verse 18. Verse 18 reads, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. That's conflict between people. But the slow to anger calms a dispute. So perhaps the most common result of sinful anger is the conflict it creates and the damage it does to relationships. So notice the contrast in the second half of the verse with the calming effect the person has who is walking by God's spirit and demonstrating Christ-like behavior. Uh, just a night and day difference. And flip over to chapter 26. Chapter 26, verse 21, reads like this. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So a man or a woman who is contentious, that is, who is angry and always spoiling for a fight, is one who's continually adding fuel to the fire. That's, that's, 
just kind of what they do is they take the situation and, and make it worse. Uh, back to chapter 29. Look at chapter 29, verse 22. Again, it tells us an, an angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. So once again, we see that a man characterized by anger is going to be prone to stir up conflict wherever he goes. And you'll notice that in doing that, he, he abounds in transgression. Transgression is a word for sin that describes someone who they know the boundaries, they know what God's standards are, and, and choose to disregard it. Yeah, I know I, know I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's, that's transgression, ignoring uh, God's standard. And so here, he abounds in sin, and he causes others to sin in the process by drawing them into conflict. And then, chapter 30, verse 33. This is an interesting one. For the churning of milk produces butter, and pressing the nose brings forth, brings forth blood. So the churning of anger produces strife. <laughs> So here's kind of a graphic image of that same point. You know, just as uh, a poke in the nose will uh, result in blood, a bloody nose, uh, in the same way, anger leads to strife. It leads to interpersonal conflict. So this is kind of the, the first uh, category we've seen, that uh, uh, sinful anger is characteristic of a fool. That's a person who does not know God. And then secondly, that when anyone allows sinful anger to take control, it leads to foolish behavior and the likelihood of conflict. In addition, the Proverbs make a third point about sinful anger, that if left unchecked, it yields serious negative consequences. Turn back to chapter 18. Verse 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. So what kind of a picture do you get here? When you think about the, the image, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. How serious is sinful anger when it comes to damaging relationships. It's pretty bad, isn't it? It's really serious. Sinful anger can lead to great damage in relationships because it is so easy to say something hurtful. We may say something that's exaggerated or something that isn't even true, and once major damage is done, a relationship can be very hard to restore. It's just like, you know, trying to capture a strong city. It's, it's, it's hard to get there. It's hard to, to achieve. And obviously Solomon's point here is <laughs> avoid that. Don't, don't do that. Chapter 19, verse 19. A man of great anger will bear the penalty, for if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. So according to the first half of this verse, what's going to happen to the man who's characterized by a continuing pattern of rage. He's going to pay the price, isn't he? Yeah, there's going to be uh, consequences, and they're not going to be good. Sinful anger produces serious negative consequences. And then look at the second half of the verse. Is there any point in bailing him out of the messes that he creates with his anger? He's just going to do it again. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny how we, we can read these verses and smile, but if we think about it, we think, yeah, <laughs> uh, this maybe can, can hit a little close to home. Yeah, that the, the person who's characterized by anger, um, uh, you know, the, the words of wisdom we have here is uh, that person's going to bear the, the consequences, and if it's a person who's, who's just living with that kind of lifestyle, that kind of pattern, uh, there's, there's no point in trying to correct them because they're just going to do it over and over and over. Okay, chapter 25. Let's see what's in chapter 25. 
Verse 28. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Well, in the ancient Near East, in the time of, of Solomon, uh, you know, it was, it was normal for a city to have, have, have walls around it. But if you had a city where the walls had been broken down, had been destroyed maybe by, by an enemy, uh, what would happen to that city? It'd be defenseless, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's going to be subject to, to anybody who wants to come in and, and do damage to the, to the residents. Uh, it's going to be absolutely defenseless. be no ability to keep out enemies or anyone who would uh, seek to harm the people of that city. So how does that kind of illustration, or how does that kind of situation illustrate a man who has no control over his spirit? What, what's the parallel there? What's going to happen to somebody who has uh, no control of what's going on inside them? They, they don't have any control over their emotions. They're going to be subject to all kinds of influences, aren't they? And, uh, you know, led into all kinds of sin. They're going to be vulnerable to bad influences, and sin is likely to abound is really the point of, of this particular proverb. So the book of Proverbs reveals much about the nature of sinful anger. It's not a pretty picture, is it? It certainly makes us want to, boy, I want to stay away from this, and rightfully so. One thing we need to keep in mind also, it, it doesn't come out clearly here in, in Proverbs, but as Pastor Tom has pointed out on more than one occasion, not only can be uh, not only can anger be expressed as, as an explosion, as blowing up, it also can be expressed as clamming up. I don't know if anyone in this room has ever dealt with anger that way, where the person who, who clams up, they just go silent. Uh, it's like, I'm, I'm not even going to respond to that. And, uh, uh, you know, that is, is really just as destructive a, as a behavior as, as blowing up. The, the sulking, the refusing to talk, the refusing to deal with the issue, the giving someone the silent treatment, I'll get even with them, I just won't, I just won't talk. Um, that's just another characteristic of, of anger, sinful anger. So with that in mind, how do you think those closest to you, family members, uh, coworkers, close friends, how do you think they would... Uh, if they were going to rate you on a scale of, of 1 to 10, how do you think they would rate you on how prone you are to display anger, either by blowing up or by clamming up? Would they say that it's frequent, that it's rare, that it's somewhere in the middle? Probably for most of us, it's somewhere in the middle. Well, regardless of where any of us fall on the spectrum, sinful anger is to be held in check. But the question is how? What practical steps do we find here in the book of Proverbs that help us deal with anger, both in ourselves and in others? Well, having looked at the negative aspects of anger, let's shift gears and consider. Whoops, did I go too far? Yeah. That wise conduct, uh, we want to talk about wise conduct regarding sinful anger. So first of all, don't provoke anger in others. Uh, take a look at chapter 14. What's that? Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the wrong part of the screen. <laughs> Thank you. My wife is very helpful. <laughs> she, she chooses her words very carefully. Because you don't want to see a demonstration. <laughs> That's right. A soft answer turns away wrath. That's right. Yes. Thank you, Barb. Okay. So, uh, chapter 14, verse 35. And it reads like this. The king's favor is toward a servant who acts wisely, but his anger is toward him who acts shamefully. So this is a little bit different perspective than, than what we've been talking about. This verse makes it clear that shameful anger, excuse me, shameful behavior can provoke anger. So if we're acting foolishly, if we are being irresponsible in our behavior, uh, if we're acting sinfully, we will earn no respect. 
And instead, we're likely to be provoking anger from those who have authority over us. In Titus chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul affirms that all believers are to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So the point of this proverb is don't bring anger on yourself, uh, provoking others by being irresponsible. But also, you don't want to be an instigator. Look at chapter 20, verse 2. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. He who provokes him to anger forfeits his own life. Wow, that's strong language, isn't it? You know, it's never good to provoke anyone to sinful anger. You've probably seen people who are really good at pushing people's buttons. And this proverb makes it clear that that's not a good thing to do. You know, and since that's true in any of our relationships, that we shouldn't be provoking anger, how much more foolish is it to provoke anger from someone who possesses the authority to bring us really serious consequences? So the point is, don't provoke anyone to anger, especially not the king. So now, when someone has angered us and we have allowed sinful thoughts and attitudes to take charge, our flesh is likely to turn to thoughts of revenge. You know, what's that common expression? Don't get mad, get even. You know, you hear people say that all the time. That's kind of the popular mantra. But the Bible is clear that we are never to retaliate, but are to rest instead in God's sovereign justice. Look at chapter 20, so we're in the same chapter. Verse 22 Chapter 20, verse 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. You know, in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul expressed the point of this proverb like this. Paul writes, Never pay back evil for, for evil for evil for anyone. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So it's, the scripture is so clear that we're never to retaliate. So we're not to provoke anger in others by our behavior, and we also are never to retaliate uh, when something has been done to us, but instead we're to rest in God's sovereign, perfect justice. And we're to be careful with our choice of companions. This is something you might not think about, but... That's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Look at chapter 22, verse 24. Verse 24 reads, Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Why? Or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. So, who do you run with? <laughs> you know, if you're associating with someone who is by nature an angry person, this verse makes it clear that you're associating with a fool. In spite of whatever profession of faith he or she may make, such a person is to be avoided because their influence is going to be strong and it's not going to be good. Well, how about this? Does your internal temperature rise in the course of debate and you find yourself tempted to go on the attack? Well, don't. <laughs> You know, we're to avoid strife and stay away from heated conflict. So the next point of advice is this. Don't continue an argument and don't meddle in the conflicts of others. Look at chapter 20, verse 3. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. So we're to bring heated arguments to a close, or better yet, we're to avoid them altogether. That's the honorable thing to do. But what will the fool do? He'll quarrel. That's what they like to do. And then in chapter 26, verse 17, it's another graphic picture here. Like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. So what's likely to happen if you grab a dog by the ears? 
you're probably going to get bit, right? <laughs> or clawed or both. Yeah, it's uh, obviously not a, a good thing to do. Um, so what's likely to happen if you jump in and you meddle in a conflict that doesn't pertain to you? This is a case where there's, yeah, Jim? Somebody's going to punch you in the nose. Yeah, so this is the kind of situation where there's, you know, two people having conflict with each other, and it's really none of your business, and you just kind of jump into the middle of it. Maybe you take us one side or the other. Uh, it's, it's like grabbing a dog by the ears. Yeah, Bill. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you could all hear what, what Bill was saying, but Bill was saying, you know, isn't that, you know, kind of the, the whole characteristic of social media where people are, are, are making comments and then other people just pounce on them um, and, and, and kind of jump into to situations that they're not even directly involved in. That's... Yeah, it sure does. Bill said, always an angry bent. That, that is right. Okay. Um, well, next on our list of wise conduct is one that is certainly of great importance, and that is we are to cultivate self-control and patience. Chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. You could also read that as wisdom. This is, this is the path of the wise person. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. So we've, we've seen that. You know, when you see the phrase slow to anger, who does that remind you of? Psalm 103? The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Yeah, it's, it's characteristic of God, isn't it? There's many places in the Scripture that talks about God being slow to anger. So when we exercise patience, even when our emotions are running strong, we are being just like our Heavenly Father. This is a fruit of the Holy Spirit which He produces as we make our effort to be obedient to Him. Chapter 16, verse 32 He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. So demonstrating self-control and patience when we are being provoked, it really shows great strength of character. This is Christ-like behavior, and this is what we are called to do. Chapter 19, verse 11. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. How do you respond when someone accuses you falsely or, or someone says something that, that hurts you deeply or somebody verbally assaults you? You know, to exercise discretion means to make a conscious choice to be patient, uh, to overlook the matter when someone sins against you, and it brings a person glory to respond that way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, we read this description of Jesus. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Again, this is, this is what Christ did, and this is what we are to do as well. So to respond to hostility like this is to be just like Jesus. And of course, it can only be accomplished through the work of the Spirit as we submit to Him. We are also to be quick to settle disputes. Chapter 17, verse 14. What, what's that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, a different, different kind of picture, I guess. But Chapter 17, verse 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. So the picture here is, if, if you could picture a reservoir, like a, a lake, and the water is being held back by, by an earthen dam. 
And what happens when there's a breach in that dam and the water starts to flow out? It, it washes that dirt away. And, and what happens to the flow of water? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, the matter just gets uh, worse. Well, in the same way, what tends to happen to a coral? It tends to grow bigger and bigger and get more intense, doesn't it? And the remedy? Stop arguing. End it before it gets out of control. Okay, chapter 29, verse 8. Scorners set a city aflame, but wise men turn away anger. So whereas a scornful person adds fuel to the fire of a dispute, you know, just making it worse, uh, the wise does just the opposite. The wise person is one who immediately uh, calms the situation down and seeks to restore harmony. So to this point, we've seen that by wisdom we are not to provoke others to anger, we're not to retaliate when we're wronged, but rest in God's sovereign justice. We're to be careful in our choice of companions, avoiding those who are uh, given to anger. We're not to keep arguments going or to meddle in the conflicts of others. We're to cultivate self-control and patience. We're to be quick to settle disputes. And finally, we are to respond to provocations with grace both in what we say and in how we say it. Chapter 17. Chapter 17, look at verse 27. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Again, a man of, of, of wisdom. We are, when we are provoked, instead of lashing out with words that uh, we can't take back, words that we're likely to regret later on, we're to offer a response that's restrained. We're to bring calm to the situation. Chapter 15, verse 1. This is perhaps uh, one of the most widely quoted verses in all of Scripture dealing with the subject of anger. I think Patrick mentioned this earlier. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So when we're in the heat of the moment and we have a choice to make in how we respond, don't we? The emotions are there. You know, that's, that's something that you know, is, is going to happen. The question is, what do we do with them? If we respond harshly, we're just going to be throwing fuel on the fire. But a gentle answer does what? Turns that wrath away. <laughs> you know, what a simple strategy this is, and yet how valuable. You know, it's hard to stay angry with someone who is being calm and gentle and reasonable and showing kindness instead of hostility. You know, our tone of voice and our style of communication are vitally important, and I think that's what this verse is reminding us of. If you look over at verse 18, same chapter, so chapter 15, verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. So the call to exercise patience uh, comes up in the Proverbs again and again, and it's a, a theme that just keeps coming up. And these are things that have to do with our tone. But equally important is the content of our response. It must be thoughtful, addressing the heart of the problem. So have just one more verse. If you're getting tired of turning pages... Fear not. <laughs> One more verse. Chapter 16, verse 23. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth <laughs> and adds persuasiveness to his lips. You know, once again, when you see the word heart, don't think so much in terms of emotions, but think in terms of, of mind. That's how it's used here in the book of, of Proverbs. It's really talking about thinking. What's that? Oh, it's ch chapter 16, verse 23. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. So the point here is that we need to think carefully before we speak. That could be a challenge, can't it? <laughs> we need to think carefully before we speak, particularly in situations of anger. 
How easy it is when emotions are running high to say something we don't really mean. We need to choose our words carefully. Well, I hope that you have found these Proverbs to be helpful uh, in understanding this issue of, of anger, understanding yourself, and an understanding of uh, how to deal with anger. Obviously, we need God's wisdom. You know, we certainly could argue that there isn't any area of life where we don't need God's wisdom, but certainly in, in this issue of, of anger, it becomes very apparent that uh, we need wisdom to know how to deal with this because this is something that, uh, that, that comes up again and again. But overcoming uh, patterns of sinful anger requires more than just understanding God's perspective of it, which is what we have here in Proverbs. It isn't just a matter of willpower. What it requires is, is a new heart. It requires the heart of a believer. You know, it's only after the Holy Spirit has granted us new life by drawing us to himself, uh, by regenerating us, by bringing us to that point of repentance like we heard in the sermon this morning, uh, by bringing us to saving faith in Jesus Christ so that we're set free from slavery to sin. It's only through that and through his granting us a new heart that we can apply the wisdom uh, that is presented here. We need the Spirit's power to root out our pride and our selfishness and to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. Let me remind you of that list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things are the exact opposite of, of sinful anger. We need God's Spirit to change us, to transform us, to grow us. And so, the essential prerequisite to defeating sinful anger is to be in Christ. That's kind of the, the starting point uh, for everyone. If there's anyone here who needs to get right with the Lord, obviously there's a lot of people in this room, and I don't know uh, where everyone is or where everyone's heart is, uh, but as you were reminded in the worship service this morning, and as I'll remind you again now, there's... There's nothing more important than this of uh, getting right with the Lord, turning your life over to Jesus Christ. But for those of us who are already in Christ, to deal with our own anger, we need to be driven by our minds and not our emotions. You know that old adage about counting to ten? <laughs> it's really pretty good advice. <laughs> We need to slow down and think before speaking. Patience is absolutely vital in, in this matter of, of dealing with, with anger. Secondly, our speech must be calming and gentle, not inflammatory. Uh, you know, James talks about how, how difficult it is to, to control our, our mouths. It's a, the tongue is difficult to tame, but that, that is so key in, in this area. We also must communicate as clearly as we can what is bothering us and without hostility or antagonism. You know, when the emotions are running strong and there's something bothering us, it, it's important to talk about it. <laughs> you don't want to blow up. You don't want to clam up, but you do want to talk about it. Talk about what the issue is and, and work to resolve the problem. So that's kind of the next step here. Our focus must be on resolving the problem, not venting our anger. So, there's some ideas to, to think about drawn from Proverbs regarding dealing with our own anger. And then, see a couple of you are still writing. I'll, I'll hold up a second. On the next slide, <laughs> we're going to look at how to deal with the anger that others have directed toward us. So here, we must listen with patience. Again, listening is, is really important. If someone is angry with us, we need to hear what they have to say. And it can be really hard, <laughs> especially if they're yelling or, or uh, are, are showing hostility toward us. But it's important to listen and to be patient, to find out, okay, what's the issue? Make sure you understand what the issue is. 
And then we've kind of seen this before. Our speech must be calming and gentle, not inflammatory. And perhaps the person is angry with us for good reason, because we have done something foolish. We have done something sinful. We have done something without thinking. Uh, If that's the case, if we're in sin, we must confess it and ask the person for forgiveness. Next, if you're attacked, don't respond in kind. Again, our flesh wants to, 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 to get even, but we must not do that. Instead, we must uh, walk in the Spirit, submit to His leading. And then the last one, focus on communication with a goal of resolving the problem. Again, it's, it's, communication is, is, is really so, so vital uh, in dealing with situations where our emotions are, are, are running strong where something has provoked us and we need to talk about it. So I have just uh, one verse uh, to leave you with, and it is this. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. You can see there's there's the patience, there's the thinking, there's the calmness. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. That's Proverbs 15, 28. So there's, there's a verse for you to, uh, to, to think about. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer, and we will be dismissed. Father, as we read these verses in Proverbs, we're certainly... Um, painfully aware that all of us have been uh, guilty of sinful anger. All of us have uh, at at times uh, just shown the characteristics of of a fool and uh, have done foolish things, have said foolish things, have said things uh, that we regretted and done damage to relationships that we regretted. And Father, we just depend so much on on you, on the uh, power of your spirit working in us to uh, to teach us, to grow us, to give us patience, to help us demonstrate uh, love rather than hostility. Uh, and so, Father, I pray that you would be uh, working in, in each one of our lives and hearts, that uh, as those situations come up, as things happen that uh, drive our emotions, that we would respond uh, slowly, uh, patiently, uh, thinking uh, about uh, what is being said, what needs to be done, thinking about how to resolve the problem and not how to um, get even or uh, to add fuel to a fire that's already burning. Uh, So, Father, we just uh, need your wisdom. We need your work in our life and our hearts uh, to uh, accomplish this. And so we pray that you would be growing each one of us in this area. We do thank you for the wisdom of your word. Uh, Thank you for these things that we've talked about here this morning and uh, pray that you would just... uh, accomplish your perfect will in each of our lives to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.